Autism now affects 1 in 88 children, in which 1 in 54 boys, and the prevalence figures are growing daily. Autism is the fastest growing serious developmental condition in the United States that costs a family $60,000 a year on average, while the cause receives less than 5% of the research funding of many less prevalent childhood diseases. As to date, there is no medical detection or cure for autism. Help us at the Jayzo Modcast Network change that as April is National Autism Awareness Month. We ask all of you to join us this month in honoring the boys and girls who live with this condition each and every day of their lives, in donating to a charity centered around researching and possibly finding a cure. Any amount is welcomed because chances are you personally know someone directly affected with autism. Let's come together and make a change. Now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. And welcome to the world of Mythbits. I am, as always, your host, Stephanie Barty. <sighs> I am settling in to my nice, comfy new bed. Well, I can't say it's new. It's new to me new. Um, my mom recently moved and there was a lot of stuff she couldn't take with her. So I inherited a sleigh bed, a queen-size sleigh bed. And the, I guess the mattress is maybe two years old. Uh, queen-size pillow-top mattress that went with it. Yay me. So I was very happy about that. And my daughter and her friend moved everything around, and she took my bed, because my bed has sentimental value in our family. And then I put this bed in. Pardon me, that was... Yes, hello, everybody. CJ says hello. Silly me, what was I thinking, closing the door, trying to keep the animals out so that they'd be quiet? No, no, that's not going to happen. No, no, they want in. Okay, anyway, as I was saying, I'm podcasting this episode from my comfy new bed. So, I want to welcome all our new listeners to the podcast. I know that there will be a few from Twitter from the hashtag writing community. Hello, everybody. Guys are awesome. And this is the one and only place, well, the one and only podcast, where we are all things the World of Myth magazine 99.9% of the time. (laughs) I can't say all the time because I do talk about other things other than just the magazine. But not this week. Well, Not the beginning of the podcast this week, anyway. I have a problem. I have a very big... Well, it's not really a problem anymore because I made a decision and I stuck by it. Um, Our magazine has submission guidelines. 
And in those guidelines, there are very specific things that we ask of our contributors to do. You know, we recommend, we request that you send it in in .doc or .docs format as an attachment, not directly in the body of the email. Um, we ask that it be in 12-point font. We ask that it, you know, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And then we have, um, like, the, the short stories can be, can only be of a certain length. If they're longer, we will break them up over a period of, of issues. Um, we will still print the story in its, not in its, bleh. wow, let's try that again. Three minutes in and tongue-tied already. Okay, so as I was saying, um, we will print stories higher than our requested word count, what we will do is we will break them up into part one, two, three, four, however many parts it takes, staying within that word allowance in each section. And I'm pretty good at judging where to break up a story, or I will send it back to the author and say, hey, where do you think you want to put a break in this and, you know, pause it here for this month, and then where do you want us to pick it up next month? Anyway, so... And we have guidelines for um, what is required for poetry, you know, so many lines and all of that, you know, the basic. And then we get to, it talks about, you know, there's no monetary compensation. We are a free magazine. We have no subscribers. We don't charge a fee to read the magazine every month. You don't have to sign up. Blah. Well, you have to, we also ask our contributors to sign, to join our mailing list so that they can be notified of things. And I have a way of staying in contact with them. Anyway, at the bottom of the page, and it's not even in small print. I mean, I understand a lot of people don't read the small print. That's fine. But I, as one who never used to read the small print, learned the hard way. You really should read the small print. Read all the rules. Read all the guidelines. Read it all. Make sure you understand it all. So anyway, get to the part where it says copyrights. Copyrights remain with the author, poet, or artist at all times. Okay, fine. However, we do ask that you refrain from reposting your work anywhere else after notification of acceptance. Now that's after notification of acceptance. So once you get that email from me that says, hey, we're going to put your poem, your artwork, your short story in next month's issue, you can't submit it anywhere else. And for 60 days after the issue comes out. That's all we ask. You can put it on your Facebook. That's fine. You can, and you know, you can post links to it all over everywhere. You can put it in your blog. You can talk about it in your vlog. You can post it on your Facebook. You can put it in writers groups you belong to. Have at her. We ask that you don't have it published anywhere else from the moment you get the acceptance from me until 60 days after the magazine comes out. 
not that big a deal. Now, if you happen to be simultaneously submitting, which I know a lot of us do in the hopes that at least one person says, yeah, we're going to put your work out there. If you are submitting simultaneously to other publications and you get accepted to another publication, let me know. I had an author. They sent me something. And I said, okay, great. It's going to be in blah, blah, blah. A couple of weeks later, because our magazine hadn't come out yet. Um, this was a really, really, really early submission for this issue, for the, that particular issue. Um, which, by the way, I love. A couple of weeks later, they were notified that the exact same piece had been accepted in another mag, another publication. They made me aware and said, I'm going to send you an altered version of that particular piece. Great. So it's not the same piece that's in two things at the same time. They made me aware and they offered me an altered piece to replace the one that we were originally going to post. Thank you very much. That was greatly appreciated, by the way. I don't know if I told you that to the person who did that. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciated. It shows that they read the rules and they read the submission guidelines. Now, I had a very, very, very hard job to do this week. It's the ugly side of editing. Editing is not all fun and games and wonderful stories and poems and beautiful artwork to look at and telling people, hey, we're going to we're going to post your stuff. We're going to publish your stuff and getting all the excitement. There is the hard part of the job. And I actually had to step up and do that hard part of the job because we had published an individual's work and then they posted about it. And then the very next day they posted that that very same piece of work was published somewhere else at the same time. So I put on my little editor's hat and I went and spoke to this other publication because I wanted to find out if ours had come out first or if theirs had come out first, because if theirs had come out first, then, you know, by all rights, they had first publication, so we would bow out. That's fine. So I spoke to this other publication, and this same piece of work actually came out the day after our magazine did. So I spoke to the person involved, and they said they would stand by whatever decision that I made regarding this and they respected that and yeah they didn't read the fine print <laughs> so I decided to give this other publication the opportunity to do the right thing and bow out you know because not only did this this person violate our submission guidelines it also violated their submission guidelines and not making them aware that this certain piece had been accepted somewhere else. Um, didn't hear anything back, didn't hear anything back, didn't hear anything back. So the tough decision needed to be made. What do I do? Well, unfortunately, 
Um, we have submission guidelines for a reason. And part of my job is enforcing those submission guidelines. And that particular piece of work had to be pulled from our magazine because it did not comply with our um, notice of acceptance in 60 days after submission guideline. Now, I really hated to do that. It really bothered me to do that, but that's the job. And it's a hard lesson for a contributor to learn that, you know, the submission guidelines are there, not because we needed to fill a space, but we are going to enforce those submission guidelines. If you deviate from them, then your story will be rejected or your piece of artwork will be pulled or, you know, your poem will get sent back and you'll be told, can you put it, can you follow the submission guidelines, please? Now, I understand um, sometimes there is a language barrier. So my recommendation, if that is the case, because we do get submissions from all around the world. So language barriers come into play. A Google Translate isn't always the greatest. Trust me, I know. I was trying to converse with somebody, a friend of mine, actually, in Hungarian, which, which is their native tongue. And yeah, Google Translate was not helping. But anyway, I digress. If you have questions, any questions at all about the submission guidelines, email me at stephaniebarty at theworldofmyth.com and ask me. I check my email at least a minimum of once a day. Um, Sundays, I'm usually working on the magazine, so I don't check my email Sundays because I'm already working on the submissions that I've already got up to that point. And then Monday, I will check my email again and load up all throughout the week. I'll check it throughout the week and load up everything from that week to work on. So if you email me on a Sunday, you might not get a response until Monday. Um, I do try and respond in a timely manner. I know there have been times when there's been long periods. My bad, I'm still learning the ropes. But if you have a question about the submission guidelines, about anything, whether it's reply time, payment, copyrights, remember there is no payment, um, length, whatever. Can you use blue for somebody's armpit hair in your picture? I don't care. Whatever. Email me and ask. The only stupid question is the one that you don't ask. Because that could be the question that gets your contribution pulled from the magazine. If you had have only asked and got clarification, you would have been fine. So, yeah, I had to do the hard part of my editor's job this week and with a pit in my stomach and a racing heart, I did it and I tried not to come off sounding like, I don't want to say the B word because I'm trying to keep the podcast clean, but I didn't want to come across sounding like a bitch because I'm not. I understand people make mistakes. I get that. And I appreciate that this person was very apologetic 
and admitted, you know, yes, they made a mistake. They understand they made a mistake and that they would stand by any decision that I had made. I also made them aware that any submissions going forward for a while, I'm going to have to think very long and hard about putting them in the magazine because I need to be sure that they're not being published somewhere else that I'm not aware of, that they are following our guidelines. If you don't want to follow the guidelines, that's perfectly fine. Don't submit. That's basic. I mean, I know that sounds, it might come across as arrogant and might come across as, you know, you don't like what we got to say. Fine. Screw you. Move on. That's not how I'm, I'm meaning it to sound. Um, what I'm, I got, there's been a lot of times that I have thought, oh, okay, I'm going to submit to this magazine or I'm going to submit to this contest or I'm going to submit to this digest. And then I read through the submission guidelines and I go, mm, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this or I don't really want to do that. And I don't. I don't submit. I don't ignore the guidelines. I just don't submit to that particular whatever. So, you know, but all I'm saying is please read the guidelines. Please follow our guidelines. We're very easy to work with. Basically, you're working with me. <laughs> I try and be as accommodating as possible. Um, I'm very generally very easy to work with. I'm fairly easy to get along with. Uh, a lot of our contributors, they talk to me on, they chat with me on Facebook, we personal message back and forth and they, you know, show me, Hey, check this out and check that, out, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm a very easy and I'm very approachable person. You can talk to me about anything. If you're having a problem with a piece, I'd be more than willing to sit down with you, you know, through message and see if we can't figure it out, whatever. Just please read the guidelines so I don't have to go and put my nasty editor's hat on and do the nasty parts of the job because it makes me feel really, really icky. And I don't like it. So don't do it. Okay, I'm done. Rant over. It's taken up 16, 17 minutes of this podcast. I'm done. Moving on. It has been a wonderful week. I got a membership to our local... YMCA. Yes, we have those here in Canada. And it is practically in my backyard. It really, no, really, it is. It is practically in my backyard. There's my house, there's a house, there's a parking lot, there's the YMCA. So I really have no excuse for not going to the gym and not utilizing the track and not utilizing the pool other than we just didn't go and get a membership. So this week, off we went, got a membership, and Friday, my daughter and I went. And of course, as soon as we got there, I went to the stretch room and did my stretches and warmed up. And, you know, because I'm not a spring chicken. And I'm not athletic. So I'm a little out of shape. Not. Okay, yeah, I'm a little out of shape. <laughs> um. So I needed to stretch, I needed to warm up, and then I hit the gym. And it was full of people. 
that were all in fabulous shape. Some of them looked like walking houses. And I felt dumpy and short and jiggly and frumpy and totally out of my league. So I put my headphones on. I had made a playlist before I left. Sorry, Dave, if that was coming through and you have to edit that out. I was scratching my ear. I made a playlist before I left called Workout Playlist. And it's all pretty much like power songs. You know, ones to keep you moving. And, you know, you hear it in the bar or, you know, out somewhere. And you want to get up and dance and stuff like that. So, excuse me. Cat hair. Um, so I popped in my headphones, turned it on, turned the treadmill on. And did you know the treadmills come with TVs now? I had no idea. So I'm, you know, walking away at three miles an hour at a two and a half percent angle. Because <laughs> that's about as fast as I go. And I'm listening to Taylor Swift and I'm listening to Sia and I'm listening to a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm watching the baseball game at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah, so that 20 minutes went by. Not a problem. So after that, you know, I went back to the stretch room and did my cool down. And I did lifted because I wasn't lifting weights in a room with people that looked like they bench pressed things my size. So when I went back to the stretch room, when I was in there the first time, when I was warming up, there was somebody else in there. So, of course, you know, you're very self-conscious because I don't know what I'm doing. I have an app on my phone and it's got a list of all of these exercises. I have no idea what they are. Not a one. I don't know what these names are. And I'm a little embarrassed, so I didn't ask my coach. <laughs> I have a coach. He's a friend. I'm not paying him. Because the Y offers personal trainers for 50 bucks an hour. No, I got, I got my coach. <laughs> but, and he worked out a, a workout routine for me. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, all right, great, thanks. I don't know what any of these are. I don't, no, nope, not one. So I went and got the app. The same app that they use. Because I thought maybe it would tell me. Well, some of the things that are on it are, Jim, I noticed when I was there, I took a good look around and they don't have some of the machines that are on here. I mean, they have a rowing machine, but not the one that you pull and lift, it lifts the weights. Um, so I wasn't, I have to refigure out my routine now. So anyway, I went back to the cool down room and, uh, you know, took the smallest barbells that I could find, the little five pounders, <laughs> worked on my upper body there for a little bit. And it's a good thing that RY has free Wi-Fi because I could YouTube videos so that I was at least doing it somewhat properly. And I was sending videos to my coach <laughs> and he's telling me, lean forward a little more. Okie dokie. Oh boy. So I did that. And then hit the showers. And I didn't pay attention to the times. When I went and got the membership on Friday, she's like, oh, we're open till 10. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. So, you know, it's like almost five o'clock. Awesome. Hop in the shower and I'm in the shower and the cleaning lady comes in. 10 minutes till close. Do what now? Oh, 
Okie dokie. So it was a quick get in and get out. Today did 20 minutes. Um, they closed at four and it was packed and yeah. But, you know, still two days in a row. So we'll see how I feel tomorrow. <laughs> I'm so happy for the news come to bed because I wasn't as sore this morning as I thought I was going to be. Really, I wasn't. So a lot of interesting things have happened. My Twitter account has blown up. Um, I don't know if, if any of you have been following hashtag writing community on Twitter. And it started, and I saw the original tweet because I have her on my Twitter. And it started with one tweet. She's an author. And she was expressing, she was appalled that there were other authors out there within our writing community on Twitter that had less than 2,500 followers. She didn't think that was right, that we should be supporting. And I'm always saying this, we are a community, not a competition, that we should be supporting each other. So she felt that she, she wanted to start a movement within the writing, hashtag writing community. And she posted a bunch of people that were on her list that had less than 2,500 followers. And I was on that list because I don't, I mean, all my followers are, are, are completely organic. I don't subscribe to the like me, like for like, whatever until this. So all of a sudden my phone's blowing up and I look and I'm getting all of these new followers. Uh, all right, you know, yeah, they're going to follow me to boost the numbers and then they'll be gone. So I followed them back, read their profiles, followed them back. And they're all writers. They're all editors. Some have been published. Some are working on a, a you know, have a work in progress. Some are looking for agents. We're all in various stages of our writing careers. Well, then I started interacting with some of them. You know, I was reading their tweets and, you know, some of them would make me laugh. So I'd have a smart ass comment and then we would be commenting back and forth. And then other people would jump in on the comments and we were communicating and we were talking and we were getting to know each other through this. And I started when she started this, I think it was a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks. Yeah, it was about a week and a half, maybe a week, week and a half ago. Um, I had about 200 to 240 followers on Twitter. And now I have 840 followers on Twitter. And I interact with quite a few of them. And we interact in a large group, a lot of us, on somebody's... So, and I've found some really cool new reading material, um, got, put my book out there several times, plugged the magazine several times. We've had new submissions to the magazine from this. So hashtags are a good thing. Hashtags can do good. And I think it wasn't just like for like, just to boost the numbers. It was supporting a community because we're, we are, we're a community. You could have five people take, say, Macbeth. We'll, we'll use Shakespeare's Macbeth. 
you can have five people read Macbeth and then you can tell them, okay, write the story Macbeth. Now, there might be similarities between those five stories, but each one is going to have the writer's own voice in it. Each one is going to be different in some way. Each one is going to be unique in some way. They're going to write their interpretation, their version of Macbeth. It's not going to be the exact same story word for word five times over. So why are we competing with each other when we're not writing the exact same story? We may write in the same genre. We may write with the same types of characters. But we're not writing the exact same thing word for word. So why do we compete? Because we want the fans, because we want the dollars. You don't go into writing to get rich. You don't become an author to make money. Not right away. If you're one of the lucky few that does make a good living off of writing, good for you. But I can guarantee you, you're going to ask any single one of them and they will tell you it took a long time and a lot of hard work and sacrifice to get where they are, to where their writing is making them a living and they can support their family and have a nice life. It's not like writing a hit song and it's on the radio and the next day you're a household name. It takes a long time. Books become popular by word of mouth. Unless somebody famous happens to come across your book, reads it and goes, you know, this looked really good on the big screen. And then they make it into a movie and you're J.K. Rowling living, you know, with all your billions. But the point that I'm trying to make is she started a movement for writers to support other writers and to encourage each other. And it has just snowballed into this huge thing. I think at one point we were actually trending. And I th do believe I, I touched on this last week about it. Um, but yeah, you know, if you have Twitter and you're a writer, jump on there. Hashtag writing community. Meet some new friends. Get some new ideas. Listen to what other people... Because I thought I was not unique. But, I mean, I, I've been around writers a long time. And I've been involved in a lot of writing groups. And I'm always sitting back listening to people talking about how they have their murder boards. And they've got all their chapters laid out. And they've got, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Here we're going to introduce this character. That's going to happen. Then we're going to do this, 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 and this. And then this chapter, we're going to wrap all that up. And over here, it's the end. They have their entire work in progress planned out, plotted out exactly what's going to happen. They've written certain scenes. They know where they're going and, and yada, yada, yada. And I kind of sit down and I agonize and I plan and I plot the first paragraph. That's it. I may have a general idea of where I want the story to go and certain things that I want to happen within the story. But for overall sitting down and writing it all out and planning it and plotting it and, and you know, 
saying, okay, this is this character and this is their background story and writing all that. No, I don't do that. I sit down, I get that first paragraph. And once I have that first paragraph, which let me tell you, I will agonize over for months. Is that first paragraph. And a lot of times it's that first line. That first line has to be just for me anyway. I mean, some people might read the first line of my work and go, eh, all right. That first line has to be, ooh, for me. And once I get that, the rest of it, I just sit down and I'll just go and write and tell the story. Like you're sitting around a campfire telling a story. And that's how I write it. And I thought, eh, you know, that's probably a bit of a problem. I really should learn some better discipline. And I've had other writers tell me that, you know, I should take some classes. I should learn some discipline. I should read this. I should read that. They'd be willing to help me. And it made me doubt myself, which I don't like doing. It made me doubt my ability. And I had a serious pity party with my publisher, who happens to also be one of my closest friends. So <laughs> he was playing dual role. <laughs> um, and then I kind of sat back and I went, you know what? No, this works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me. There may come a day when it doesn't work. But it works for me. And I hopped on Twitter and I was just kind of scrolling through. And I saw one of my people that I follow who follow me had posed a question. Are you a plotter or a pantser? A do what now? There's a name for it. And I started reading through the comments. And I'm not the only one. And there are writers that were on there that had blue check marks. So they're legit. They're, you know, they've got enough out there. And, 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 and Twitter went, okay, you're official. Tick. <laughs> I want the blue check mark people. Um, and they were saying, oh no, I'm a, I'm a total pantser. I'm a total pantser. I just sit down and I write it out and boom. And then I go back and I read it. And I might change a thing here or there or move something around. And I'm like, I'm not the only one. So it made me feel better. And I also found out through reading a lot of these, because I have absolutely, and I know this might offend, well, not offend, but make you think twice about my editing abilities. I have no formal training in writing. I have not taken a writing class. I have not attended university or college and taken writing or journalism or anything of the sort. I learned through trial and error. I've always excelled at English. My aunt was a school teacher for many, many years and was very big on reading and writing, and grammar, and punctuation, and sentence structure, and proper spelling, and so on and so forth. 
So that is something that was ingrained into me at a very young age. I think I was reading before. Well, I was. I know I was reading at three or four years old. Um, and I remember my very first book, too. It was called I Am a Bunny. I am a bunny. My name is Nicholas, and I live in a hollow tree. And there was one word in that book that I had a really hard time with, and that was toadstools. And for a while there, I really thought my mom was kind of slow because she kept claiming she didn't know what the word either, was either. Now, being older, I realized she was trying to get me to figure it out on my own. Sound it out. Sound out the letters. Sound out the word and figure it out. And eventually I did figure it out. And I was very proud of myself. But I thought, wow, gee, mom needs more practice at reading. I, anyway, I digress. Yet again, <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> um... And I read. I read everything I could get my hands on. Anything I could get my hands on. My dad had a rule. No books at the table. So at breakfast, I would read the back of the cereal box. I would read the back of the milk carton or the back of the orange juice jug. Whatever I could read. Always been an avid reader. And I would read a variety of things. I mean, I read... The Hobbit before it was required reading in grade nine. I read Nancy Drew. I read Reader's Digest, not the little flippy magazines, although I read those too. But my mom had a subscription for the hard-covered Reader's Digests, where you had like three or four stories, I think, in the book. And I read those cover to cover. And then in the summer, I would read Harlequin Romance, and I would read Danielle Steele, and I would read, um, oh, Dan Patterson, and, um, oh, Clive, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head, and I would read Dean Koontz, and I would read, um, um, James Patterson, and there was a few others that my grandfather would read, like, because that was at, that's what was at my grandparents' cottage. What my grandfather read, and what my grandmother read. Two totally different spectrums of genres. Let me tell you. I would read J.D. Robb. I would read um, blah, 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 Laurel K. Hamilton as I got older, and Diana Gabaldon, and then you know. So I was constantly reading different varieties and different styles of writing which heavily influenced me when I first started writing at the age of very young. I think I was 12 when I wrote my first story. I don't know. It was in the 80s. I'd have to look. But I've had no formal training. I've just had life experience and um, completely lost where I was going with this. Oh, right. Ha! Okay, so what I was where I was going with this with this is I found out through this writing community on Twitter that I'm not the only one. A lot of other people have never taken a class. They just have that whatever it is. And I talked about taking classes and I thought about taking classes. And for the first time ever in my life, I was discouraged to not take classes. I may still take a class or two. I would like to take some on editing and on um, publishing and stuff like that. But anyway, 
because they were afraid that it would change my style of writing and the way I write. I write, I don't know, I write from my heart. Like when I write something, it's, it's got emotion in it. And I don't want to change that. I don't want to alter that. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to smarten it up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to, how to phrase it. So if you haven't had any formal training, don't let these people that say, oh yeah, I've got a master's in journalism and I've got a, you know, I've taken writing classes and screenplay classes and this and that. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them make you think you are less of a writer because you haven't taken those classes. You don't have the diplomas and the degrees on your wall. They're just paper. I mean, yeah, they can teach you how to set a scene. They can teach you how to build a character or how to build worlds, sentence structure, layout, what they, they can teach you all that. You know, granted, they can teach you all that. But if you're already writing it and people are enjoying it, why would you want to change it? Yes, there's always room for improvement. I completely agree with that. I know I have areas to improve in my writing and I know what those areas are. But I don't want to change my style. So if you're writing and you're getting things published, sure, if you want to follow your education and you want to learn more and educate yourself, awesome. But don't make let somebody make you feel like you have to or make you feel like you are less than a writer, less than they are because you don't have those degrees. You don't have those accolades. Simple as that. We're a community, not a competition. Okay, so since we're a community and not a competition, let's talk about the open contract challenge. <laughs> and it's a challenge. It's not a competition. All right. Open Contract Challenge opened last week on the 24th, the day the magazine launched. And let me tell you, those submissions are flying in. And we're getting art book submissions. We're getting poetry book submissions. We're getting submissions for collections. These are all just pitches because right now we are in the pitch stage. Send us your pitch. And if you're not exactly sure how to write a good pitch, because believe me, I didn't. I had no idea. I wrote a book. That's all I knew. Didn't know how to write a pitch. Didn't know how to write a synopsis. Oh, God. You say that word to a lot of authors and writers, synopsis, and you will watch them visibly, visibly shudder at the thought of having to write a synopsis. Because we're writers. Creating the story and creating the ambiance and setting the scene is what we do and in a synopsis you gotta strip all that away and give me the facts just the facts do what now i know actually i know a couple of authors that hire somebody to write their synopsis because they just can't they can't and i may eventually be one of those anyway right now we are just in the pitch phase of the comp of the competition. And if you're not sure what a pitch is, Google it. Actually, you know what? Since you're listening, I will save you the time. I will Google it for you. 
because they don't call me the Google Queen for nothing. Okay, well, I might have to give back my my uh, title because I can't even spell it. And I'm already on Google, so why am I? Oh, all right. So it's 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 been a lazy. Let's not use our brain day. And I'm trying to multitask, and I'm on my really comfy bed, and it's not working. And I'm typing what I'm saying instead of typing the question: How to write a pitch? Okay. Here we go. Introduce your story and idea and define your angle. Explain why your idea is timely, unique, important, and or of interest to the judges. Estimate. Oh, you don't need to estimate a deadline for your piece because that's in the rules. And, you know, so that's basically what you need to do for your pitch is introduce your story idea, your art book idea, your compilation idea, your poetry book idea, if it has a theme, if you're going for whatever. Um, define your angle, what you're going for, which direction you want to take it, and explain why your book is unique, why it's important, and why it would be of interest to us as the judges. So that's how you do a pitch. So get those pitches in. Let's see those pitches, bitches. No, sorry. You know I had to. You knew it was coming. Anyway, so that's how you do a pitch. Get your pitch in and then we'll go from there. We'll see where this takes us. But yeah, it's uh, it's getting exciting. Can't say too much, but it's good because I don't know too much. I don't. I, I don't really. I don't. I know, I know nothing right now at this point <laughs> because all of the pitches go to um, open contract challenge email. So, and I don't have access to that email because I'm just the editor. Anyway, but I do know that we are getting pitches. They are coming in at a regular basis, and. Yeah, so this is this is starting to get fun, folks. But again, read the submission guidelines. And just just so you know, if you have ever been published for anything, whether it's a story, it's a poem, it's a piece of artwork in any of the 70 or 71 issues of the World of Myth magazine, in the last 14 some odd years, you are eligible. Doesn't matter if it's posted, been posted on Facebook. Facebook is okay. Now, if what you're submitting, if you're submitting one novella, or if that has been published professionally somewhere else, you can't submit that. Um, but if you've had short stories that have been published somewhere and you've put them into a comp compilation book, okay, submit that because it's never been submitted as a compilation before. The, so the stories have been submitted individually. You can submit that. But if you've ever been in the world of myth for a piece of work, you are eligible to enter this contest. Just again, 
I'm going to stress this. For those in the back that weren't paying attention the first time and were chatting amongst themselves and passing notes, read the submission guidelines. Okay. My throat's starting to get a little sore. It's getting late, and I still have to spin this down and convert it and then send it off to the Almighty Dave because he's the one that puts it out there for you. I give him the words. He presses play. <laughs> uh, yeah, this bed's going to be a lot of fun to podcast in because it's so comfy. You might just end up with, you know, with me snoring for 45 or 50 minutes some weeks, but we'll see. So, okay. So where did we learn this podcast? We said hello to all the new listeners. We've talked about Twitter and the almighty power of the hashtag. We have talked about my horrendous week as having to put on that nasty editor's hat. Um, I have stressed repeatedly, read the guidelines. And now I'm going to do all the official stuff. And that is check us out at www.theworldofmyth.com. That's the magazine. Check me out on Facebook at Stephanie Barty Author or Author Stephanie Barty. You'll find me. On Instagram, it's... Oh, right. Okay. So Facebook is Author Stephanie Barty. Instagram is Stephanie Barty Author. Twitter is at Lupa B. Or you can follow us at T-W-O-M-B-P. That's the podcast Twitter page. Or you can follow T-W-O-M, the World of Myth magazine, on Twitter. Or me, Lupa B, on Twitter. And you can follow the World of Myth Bits magazine on Facebook and the World, the World of Myth magazine on Facebook as well. The World of Myth Bits. Okay, I did get them both. Whew. All right. And that takes care of all the official stuff. And I'm going to say good night, good morning, good afternoon. Wait, no. How does he do that? Good morning, good afternoon, good night. <laughs> I do love, I do love Jim Carrey. I really do. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. And we will chat with you all next week. See ya. The world of myth bits.